0: Journey, a podcast of Russell Memorial Methodist Church. In today's message, Pastor David Cartwright looks at how God allowed the Hebrew people in the wilderness to be hungry, not only so they would learn to trust God, but also so they would develop a hunger for God. Humankind lives not just by bread. We live by God. Ironically, it is the small, ordinary things that keep us from God, Jesus told a parable about people who declined the master's banquet because they had just purchased living space, farm implements, or were recently married. It is said that we do not experience God because we aren't hungry for him, and we aren't hungry for him because we are satisfied with trivial things. Therefore, we are faced with these questions. What will it cost us to become hungry for God again?
1: I suppose it's uh, timely, at late morning, that we start talking about something such as hunger. And I will tell you up front that the goal I have in my heart for us today is not to be satisfied. It is to be hungry. That may seem counterintuitive for a pastor to say in a church service when it would seem perfectly logical that my desire would be for you to leave feeling satisfied. But I find myself praying for myself and for the church that we will become hungry. We all understand what hunger is. We've dealt with it on regular occasions right hunger is something that first of all indicates to us that there is a need if we're talking about physical hunger in the stomach it is our body's way of telling us that nourishment is required one of the things about hunger is that it can be Satisfied, to a certain extent, with low-quality food. Parents understand this quite well. And sometimes even the parents are guilty because we find ourselves hungry and we say, oh, I'll just get a Twinkie. Or fill in your favorite snack here. Now, when we do that, it can knock down those hunger pains. It it gives us the sense of satisfaction. But in reality, we're not actually giving our body the greatest things that it needs. And we know if we continue to feed our body with low-quality food, we will not achieve the greatest of health. Amen? Amen. That sounded pretty weak. But you all understand that what I just said to you is true. If we satisfy ourselves with low quality food, we will not achieve the highest health that we can possibly gain. And so what is best for us is if we learn to achieve a hunger for the better things not for the low-quality things, but for better things. And when we acquire a hunger for better things, we will find that those are the things that we chase after, and we will be better off for it. And just as it is true with physical food, it is also true spiritually. It is true for us as spiritual beings that we will be better off if we learn to hunger after the greater things in particular, for God. And my hope and prayer for us is that we can build within ourselves a greater hunger for God and God alone, for God's manifest, revealed presence in our lives personally and congregationally. Hunger can actually serve a purpose. One of the things that hunger does for us is to show us where our heart is. Let me go back to the text from Deuteronomy. Actually, in lifting up this text to you, I lift up to you two scenarios out of the Bible. One is from this time in Israel's history. The other would be a a parallel to it in the ministry of Jesus Christ. Before he starts his actual ministry among the people, uh, we read in the Gospels that he is led by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness for a time of temptation. That 40 days in the wilderness for Jesus is a very intentional parallel to the 40 years of wilderness wandering of the Hebrew people. Those two don't sound alike just by accident. And it's for a very good reason that in Jesus' ministry, in his time of temptation, when he quotes scripture, he quotes out of the book of Deuteronomy, all three times. But I'll lift this one up to you, because it's most familiar. Deuteronomy chapter 8, actually in verse 2, Moses speaks for God to the people and says, you shall remember all the way which the Lord your God has led you in the wilderness these 40 years. Now listen to this. That he might humble you, testing you, to know what is in your heart. It's a test. God said, I want to find out What's in your heart? I want to find out where your true allegiances lie. In the first part of verse 3, it says that God humbled you and let you be hungry. Now, pause for a minute and think about that. You might think that a just and good God would say, Oh, you're hungry. Let me take care of that for you, real quick. But Moses said, God, let you be hungry. Why? To find out what's in your heart. Think about the time of Jesus' own testing. You can read in Matthew 4. He was in the wilderness for 40 days. Now, do you remember that the tempter came to him? Did the tempter come on day 1 or day 40? It wasn't day 1, was it? After 40 days. Okay. Task number one, become hungry. When you become hungry, you find out where your allegiances lie. You find out what we most deeply crave. You find out what drives us. We even have, in our culture, developed a word that describes hunger to the extent that it makes you emotionally unstable. You know what that word is? Hangry. It's what hunger can do for us. It it takes the the layers off the outside and reveals where the, the things that are most dear to us. Take, for instance, a six year old child playing with a toy. How do you find out how precious that toy is to that child? Take it away and watch the child's reaction. how do you find out how precious a game console is to a twelve-year-old child take it away and find out their reaction now i'm not just picking on young people because adults are guilty of the same kind of things It gets a little more nuanced and we're better at cloaking it. But if you want to find out those things that are dear to us, have them taken away. Whether by intentional action or by unfortunate circumstances. When we find ourselves with those changes, with those things that are taken away from us, Gauge your reaction, and it will tell you how dear that thing is to you. And sometimes, if we're honest, we will find out that we hold on to things. And I'm not necessarily talking about tangible things that you can put in your hand. It may be relationships or experiences or, or habits, whatever it is. When we find that those things are taken away from us, our reaction to it will tell us, how valuable that is to us and may indicate that we have let something become too valuable in our lives. So hungering is revealing. It will tell us those th- where those, those greatest allegiances lie. Now, I could talk more about Jesus' ministry in the wilderness, but we're going to get to that. In fact, our whole time in the season of Lent coming up is going to be... Uh, kind of camping in that that text of the 40-day the, the wilder, wilderness experience of, of Jesus being tempted by the tempter. So hunger has a purpose. Now, uh, there's something interesting in this Deuteronomy text that I think is easily overlooked. Let me start that verse 3 again. He humbled you and let you be hungry. And then... "...fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, so that he might make you understand." Pause there for a moment. So there's a lesson for the people. God says, I want to make you understand something important. What is it that God wants them to understand? It is that man does not live by bread alone, but he lives by what? Every word that proceeds from the mouth of the Lord. Let me simplify that a little bit. Bread isn't your most critical need, your most critical need is God. Not manna, okay? The text doesn't say. The bread that you produce, you don't want to live by that. You want to live by miracle bread. Or wonder bread. I had wonder bread growing up. Y'all remember that? Wonder bread? That was what manna was, okay? Again, think about Jesus' temptation in the wilderness. What What does Satan do? Oh, Jesus. You need to make some wonder bread. Like... Like your ancestors had in the wilderness. And Jesus' response is, no. You're trying to make me miss the point. My deepest need is not bread. My greatest allegiance isn't to my stomach. It is to God. And I'm not going to let anything take that away. God said, I want you to understand that your life doesn't come from bread. Nor from any other thing that is a a tangible gift to you. It comes from God and God alone. And if God has this consistent um, task that he works in, in the children of humanity, it is to get their hungers off of lesser things... And onto Him. And the problem that I think we have so broadly is not that we're hungry, it's that we're satisfied with lesser things. I don't know if I found it more encouraging or off putting after days of thinking about a message and letting it simmer inside and making notes and reading and making more notes to finally stumble across the the reality that somebody had written a 200-page book on the very core of my sermon today. I I guess there really is nothing new under the sun. We're only finding different ways of saying it. Pastor John Piper has written this book uh, about called a hunger for God, and uh, I got to read a little bit of it and found it uh, quite enlightening. Let me give you a quote out of this book, and it might sound a little uh, surprising, but I, I hope you take his point. He says, "Quote: The greatest enemy of hunger for God is not poison, but apple pie. It is not the banquet of the wicked that dulls our appetite for heaven." But endless nibbling at the table of the world. And oh, how we nibble, don't we? God has granted to us good gifts, sometimes we call them blessings. They are unique for each one of us. We hold some of them in common, but the combination will be different for everyone. Those good gifts are God's, they are manifestations of God's love toward us. His, His desire to pour heavenly goodness into our earthly lives. And I'm so thankful we have a God like that. Our mistake will be, When we allow ourselves to be filled with satisfaction by those gifts rather than by God himself. I made a list. Just thinking about myself personally. I know there is inherent uh, risk in sharing a list like this. Because I realize some of the things that I name about myself or my life maybe things that everybody not everybody shares and and my intent I want you to know is not to make somebody feel bad if you don't share one of the blessings that I think I have but maybe to just prompt you to think about how God has been good in your own life okay here's a short list of some of the good gifts that God has given me in life health I'm 60 years old and have suffered very little health problems. And trust me, that's not because I've done such a great job taking care of myself. I realize that could change tomorrow. But I would name that. I, I have a great measure of health to be this far along in life. I have a beautiful, kind, and oh-so-patient wife. Yes, yes. God's wonderful gift to me. I have beautiful daughters who think that their father hung the moon. Ask them, they'll tell you. They better, anyway. I have a home with all kinds of modern conveniences. A roof that shelters me. I can go to a water faucet and turn on my selection of hot or cold water. I can flip a switch and lights come on. I have a very comfortable couch and a very warm fireplace. And I mentioned those two things together. I have a great network of friends, acquaintances, colleagues in this community and in places I've lived before. Wonderful, wonderful life-giving relationships. I have transportation. Pretty reliable. It has heat, which is great. We even have one now that has heated seats. That's awesome. I have food. Oh, good food. My wife can cook. Good food. Now, that's a short list of the blessings I recognize. I could make a much longer list. But here's what I would recognize before you today. That none of those things are substitutes for God. Not one of them. They are gifts of God. And I name them with thankfulness. Because I recognize that God is the giver of every good gift, so I give Him the credit. But none of those gifts are substitutes for God. However, you—if you put these things together in life, day by day, in all these combinations—I find that I can fi- I find that I can be extremely satisfied inside simply by the enjoyment of the gifts, without pursuing the greater gift of God Himself. Does that make sense? The good things I have, if I'm not careful, can keep me from being hungry for God. And I want to be hungry for God. There's a quote that I've referred to several times. I can trace it as far back as Corey ten Boom. Other authors have used it as well. It says very simply, you will never know that Jesus is all you need until Jesus is all you have. And I'm convinced that there's truth in that. You'll never know that Jesus is all you need until Jesus is all you have. Now, I'm going to be painfully honest with you right now. I don't want to get to the point where Jesus is all I have. Did you hear the list of gifts that I just named off to you? I don't want to lose them. I don't want to have a Job-like experience where I have lost my family, my property, my health, that I'm sitting on a, on, on, a, on a mound of ashes, scraping sores on my body with shards of pottery. I know that's a little graphic, but read your Bible. I don't want to have that experience. I would rather learn how to be hungry for God without losing the gifts along the way. And I don't really know fully how to tell you to get there. But maybe today will be a starting point. The words that the prophet Jeremiah spoke to the people are powerful. To to a people who had consistently turned their backs on God who had made covenant with them. God through Jeremiah says, you will seek me and you will find me when you search for me how with all your heart not passively occasionally in a in a moment of crisis you will find me when you search for me with all your heart if I could paraphrase that I would do it this way as if God were saying to us if you will learn to not be satisfied with all of those good things you have and learn to develop within yourself a hunger that is satisfied by nothing other than me you will be satisfied And so I invite you to the table of our Lord today A table where I would always desire for you to be satisfied. But I put with it today the prayer that as we are satisfied, we will become more hungry. So that as you leave the table today, you will have tasted the goodness of the Lord that has made you more hungry hungry for only him. And by God's mercy, that will be so.
0: We're glad that you chose to spend this time with us in God's word. You can watch our worship services online at www.rmmcwp.net. May the Lord grant you the light of his truth as you journey through this day.